If you got your Bibles, let's turn to Exodus 3. Chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. And then we're going to jump to Joshua. Chapter 1 after that. Exodus 3, for there say amen. amen. Starting at verse 7, it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land. Everybody say, a good land. A large and unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Somebody shout milk and honey. Milk and honey. Mm, doesn't that sound good? Joshua 1, verses 2 through 9 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River. Everybody say, get ready to cross. Get ready to cross. Into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, and the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. I want to preach a message today that some of you might remember this message. Back on November 25th, 2018, I preached this message. It was a landmark moment in this church. That is the service, if you remember, Elder Chapman stepping out into the aisle with a hanky in his hand. Something shifted in that service. And today I feel to bring it back and preach it one more time. Some of you were not here back then. If you've come between the end of 2018 now, if you've started to attend this church, we raise your hand. Wow. There's a lot of you. So this will be fresh for you today. For those you have heard it, I promise you it's going to be a renewed message in your spirit for what God is about to do in this church. Amen. So for a few moments, I want to speak on this topic. I can smell milk and honey. I can smell milk and honey. Will you lift your hands right now all over this place? God, I ask you to be in the remainder of this service, Lord. God, I ask you to build faith in this room this morning. 
God, I ask you to bring great unity and agreement in this room this morning. God, I pray for strength in your body today, God. God, and I pray right now, prepare your church for your word, Lord. This is your church, God. This is your word, God. And I pray, God, let the hearts be ready, God, the ears, God, the minds, God, to hear it and comprehend it, Lord. God, I pray, God, that it change us, challenge us, Lord. God, convict us into a place that is pleasing unto you today, Lord. God, and we give you all the glory and the praise and the honor that is due unto you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And somebody shout amen. amen. Look at your neighbor while you're being seated and say, I smell milk and honey. Before the children of Israel ever got close to the promise that God had for them, they find themselves enslaved in Egypt. The Lord speaks to Moses through the burning bush and tells him to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh a very simple but yet very powerful message. He said, let my people go. Pharaoh wasn't about to budge though. You see, he had to be thanking Moses. Are you being serious right now? You think after all these years, you're gonna walk in to this room and my throne room and tell me that I have to let God's people go. Who do you think you are, Moses? You shouldn't even be here. You have no power and authority in this place anymore. Who, who do you think you are? So because the Pharaoh refused to submit, you see, it wasn't to the voice of it wasn't to the voice of Moses. But when he said no to Moses, he was saying no to God because Moses was simply the messenger of the voice of God. So when he said no, he was telling God, no, I will not. So the voice of God was turned away and the Lord begins to bring plagues upon Egypt because he would not submit. He had the water that was turning into blood. There was frogs everywhere. There was an infestation of lice and flies. Their livestock began to become sick and die and the Egyptians had boils all over their body. Hail began to fall from heaven and destroy crops and there was so many locusts that the sound would have been absolutely overwhelming I know we we hear the uh, we hear the uh, what's it called around here cicadas and the other night I could hear it it was so loud in the distance I remember when we first started coming first moved down here we were driving down 33 I said what is that noise I could hear it through the windows what is that noise so could you imagine that times a hundred where it was so loud it was just almost deafening and just just almost just torturous to them that this was taking place. There was a great darkness that set upon Egypt. And after all of this, Pharaoh still defied God and refused to let God's people go. Exodus 12 and 29, we see the final plague take place that God's patience were, were to the end. And he said, I've given you chance after chance. And it says here in verse 29, and it came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle was killed. When Pharaoh loses his son, when he loses something so close to him in that final plague, he finally, in that moment, it took him to have death in his life for him to say, finally, I will submit to what God is saying. I pray we never get to that place where things have to die around us before we finally say, okay, God, do what you want to do. 
But he finally agrees to release them to leave Egypt. But it didn't take long for Pharaoh's emotions to switch from anger and his anger to be uh, to, to override his sorrow. And his anger would, would put his sorrow to a place where he just completely forgot about it. Why? Because he lost his baby. He lost his boy. And he would order his army to pursue the Israelites in this moment. Exodus 14, it starts here. It says, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? They quickly shifted from happiness to anger. Just as Pharaoh went from sorrow to anger. Now they're matching the same emotion as their enemy. He said, you brought us out here to die and what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? Uh, that it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert? And Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring to you today. And the Egyptians that you see today, I love this line. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. Now that's just a bold statement. I'm saying this is a man that's been in prayer and God has spoken something to him that he is confident about. That he says, the Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. He said, the Lord will fight for you and you will, you will need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? And tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch, it out, uh, stretch your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites uh, can go through the sea on dry ground. He said, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and of Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and it brought light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. And the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with, all the, uh, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. And during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. Now, I love when the Lord throws our enemy into confusion. Those who are pursuing after you, quit looking back, quit trying to fight them because God knows right where they're at. And those that you see and those that you fight today, you won't see anymore and you won't fight anymore. 
It says he jammed the wheels of the chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and the chariots and the horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. And the Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea and the waters flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen and the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived but the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Bible says that they begin to praise God. No, I don't know about you, but if I just walk through a sea on dry ground and I got to the other side, if there's no praise in you, if I'd been Moses, I might've been using that rod on you. What is wrong with you? On the other side, there was, I don't think Moses had to get up and I don't think he had to say, okay, band, get going. Let's worship for what God just did. I'm pretty sure as they watched their enemy defeated, there was no prompting. There was no cheerleading. It was, look what the Lord has done for us. Look what the Lord has done for us. I don't care if you praise. I'm gonna praise anyway. I'm gonna shout. I don't care if you run. I'm gonna run anyways. I don't care if you sing. I'm gonna sing anyways. Because look what the Lord has done. Woo! They were praising, saying, the Lord is our strength. He's a God of war. Great and excellent is our God. Oh Lord, who is like you? You've done wonders. You will guide us. You will take us into the promised land now. You will reign forever. God brought them out. They witnessed a miracle. They saw the hand of God at work. They saw with their own eyes, they watched the hand of God at work. Understand this morning that when God brings you out of something, it's because he's preparing to take you into something greater than that which you just brought you out of. He didn't bring them through the, through the sea to say, here you go, this is what I got for you. You're on your own now. Mm -mm. He said there's something greater. You see, the greatest miracles you'll ever receive is the day that he brought you out of who you used to be and poured his spirit into you. That's the greatest thing you're ever gonna have. You see, the enemy was hot on their trail, was about to destroy them. Just as some of you, the enemy was hot on your trail and was almost, almost to that place. Anybody, you can say, I was almost to that place. I was about to just give up on everything. I was about to just turn my back on everything. Thank you for your honesty. And look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. God didn't give up on you. He knew where you were at the whole time. He was fighting battles. You didn't even realize he was fighting because he was trying to save you. But God showed up. He showed up. You see, the Israelites were rejoicing on the other side of the Red Sea, they were praising in their victory and the desires to die in Egypt escaped their memories in the midst of their victorious moment. In the middle of praise, in the middle of just the freshness of that victory and that miracle, they, they had completely forgot about 
Moses bringing them out on the other side and getting them stuck at the sea. They forgot about that. They instantly just had that short-term memory loss. Moses said, well, well, what was it about the graves? I don't know what you're talking about, Moses. We didn't say anything. Oh, now you're victorious. Look what God's done. Uh huh. Their desires left to die in Egypt. But three days later, somebody said, that didn't take long. They got a little thirsty. And the Bible says they began to complain and murmur. They said, well, what shall we drink, Moses? They didn't look at anybody else. They said, Moses, what shall we drink? Three days into the journey to the promise of God, just on the other side of the greatest victory and miracle yet, just a few days after witnessing the greatest miracle they had ever seen with their own eyes, their faith was being tested already. God knew they were going to get thirsty. He understood they were in a desert. So Moses takes them to a place called Marah where there was water, but the water was bitter. So they said, thanks for the water, but it's bitter. So God tells Moses to throw a piece of wood in the water and the water became sweet for them to drink. Hallelujah. All you kiddos, teenagers, it probably tastes like lemonade prime. All you parents, you know what I'm talking about. In that moment, yet another miracle took place. Wow, my goodness. Moses listened, obeyed, did what God said, and look what, look what the Lord has done again. But then they said, well, that water was good. But my stomach's growling, Moses. We're a little hungry. So God began to pour down quail from the sky. There was quail that they estimated with three feet high that they could have had yet another miracle. And they said, well, we have no bread to go with the quail. Everybody knows you gotta have bread to go with quail. Come on, Moses. Short order cook, come on, make it happen. We need some bread. So they wanted bread so the Lord poured manna from heaven. 10 times before they reached the Jordan River, God tested them and he tested their faith in him. You see, the Jordan was the crossing point into the promised land. But 10 times God said, you have provoked me. God was saying, I'm just trying to find a people. He said, listen, I already brought you out of Egypt. I already brought you on the other side of the river. I already gave you what you needed. I already gave you the, the, the food. I already gave you the water. I gave you everything you needed. He said, I'm just simply trying to find a people who will trust me. I'm just trying to find a people that will just simply take me at my word. I'm trying to find a people that will believe what I have to say. What God was saying then is what God is saying now. I'm looking for faith. He's looking for a church who doesn't just sing the lyrics of the song, but believes it when they sing, even when I don't see it. 
He's working. Even when I don't feel him, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. He's looking for a church that will live out the lyrics that says, I trust you, God. I trust you when I don't see you. I trust you when I don't feel you because you are God. Hear me, Life Point family, this morning. God is desperately seeking in this hour a church who will walk by faith and not by sight. I started this year off by casting a vision to you that this will be a year of unseen faith, that we might not see it right now, but yet I have faith for it anyways because I know that God is able. When you shouted out the other day, Matt, you didn't know what God had just a day ahead of you, but you just said, help to the only one who can actually help you. And he said, what do you need? Okay, I'll make it happen. I don't know, I'm pretty sure the next time you ask for something, your faith is gonna be here because God already proved it to you. He can do it once, he'll do it again. God's looking for a church, a people that will trust him like never before. Someone who will say, I don't know how it's all gonna work out, but I trust you in the process. I've come to tell you this morning, you must walk by faith. Why? Because he's about to take this church to a place that's going to require faith. And I'm okay with that. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's time to trust God. Somebody shout, I'm walking by faith. You see, faith is cultivated through a test. You can't have a testimony without first having a test. God was testing the people of Israel because he knew what was ahead just on the other side of the Jordan River. God knew what was there. He knew what was waiting on them. Their testimony was waiting on them. Their promise was right there in front of them. They just needed to trust God so he could get them there. Please understand what I'm saying this morning. I I, I don't care if you pray 10 hours a day. That's great. Go ahead. Go right ahead. I love that. You can read the Bible through three times, four times a year. You can show up to every service and serve in the kingdom. And you can do everything you can. But if you don't have faith in God's word, then you cannot please the Lord. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Because Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's scripture. It is impossible to please him without faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You have to believe he's God. If you don't really trust and if you're not really quite sure that he is God, If you're not sure there is a God, then I promise you, your approach to him is different than the person that says, oh, he's already proven himself to me. I know who he is. I ask with confidence because I know when I ask, God's gonna show up. When I ask every time, God's gonna move in some way. I come to him in confidence and faith because I know he is who he says he is. So you must believe that he is who he says he is in this in his word. So when I'm sick, I understand he's my healer. When I'm broke, he's my provider. When I'm in a storm, he's my shelter. When I'm hurting, he is my comfort. How do I know this? Because I've tested and proven his word to be true. Because I have faith that when he speaks it, that his word will not return void unto him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Somebody shout, I, shout, I smell milk and honey. I'm keeping you involved in it this morning. Helping me preach. They came to a place called Kadesh, just this side of the Jordan River. They could even see the promised land on the other side of it. Instead of just taking the land, Moses sends in 10 spies to see what was ahead. In Numbers 13, 17 to 20, it says, and Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see that the land, what it is and, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or whether it be bad and what cities they, that they be that, that they dwell in and, and whether in tents or in strongholds and, and what the land is and whether it be fat or lean or whether there be wood therein or not and, and be ye of good courage and, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first, first ripe grapes. Numbers 13, 25 through 33. It says, and they returned from searching of the land the 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all of the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought, work, or they brought back word unto them and unto all the, uh, all the congregation. And they showed them the fruit of the land. They said, look, look what is there. This one's look amazing. Look, look at this. Look at this great fruit, it's, it's ripe. And, and they told him and they said, we came unto the land whither thou, that, that thou sentest us and surely it, it does, it really does flow with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. The promise is real. Can you believe it? Yeah. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwelleth in the land. So they went from faith Look, it's real, but the people are strong. Doubt. The fruit's great, but the people, they, they look really big and they're, they're strong and the cities are walled and, and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there and, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses. He basically says, stop. Hush. Stop your murmuring. Stop. Get rid of your doubt. Quit. Quit listening to what they're saying. Listen. Caleb stilled the people before Moses. He said, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are able, well able to overcome it. Caleb said, we can do this. We got this. Caleb was a man of faith. Caleb said, hold on. Whoa, I don't know. I've seen God do some great things. We're not stopping now. We've come this far. We're not stopping now. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up what the word of God says, an evil report of the land 
which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So we were in their sight. Fear gripped their hearts. Fear blinded them to God's promise, which set right before them. Fear overshadowed faith in that moment. Hear me that the day you replace faith with fear is the day you lose your promise. But if God has spoken the word, oh, Caleb, if God has spoken the word, he was saying, what you're speaking is foolishness. You're operating in your flesh. You're not operating in the spirit. You're not operating in God. You're operating in your flesh. And it says, and God became angry with the people of Israel because the lack of faith. And he told Moses, get this, because a lack of faith and fear gripped their hearts. God told Moses that a whole generation will die in Kadesh and will never see the promised land because of it. A whole generation is going to miss out on this simply because they heard the evil report and they accepted it as the gospel. Truth. It's got to be truth. Uh, there, I know there's only two saying it's good, but there's one, two saying it's good, but the rest of them, they're saying we can't do it. So, uh, we can't do that. We might lose everything. Well, we've come this far. I don't want to come here and die. What are we doing? It, it's, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? We've come this far to die all those years later they're rekindling that fire that they had when they were stuck on this side of the Red Sea you've brought us here to die all those years later generations later they're saying we're, what are we supposed to do just, just right here and die God says because you're a faith a whole generation will not even see the promised land. But there was something different with Joshua and Caleb. They saw the same thing that the other 10 men saw, but they must have gotten something in their heart that day. Something must have taken place. Something, this is what God showed me back in 2018 when I preached this message the first time. God showed me there must have been a shift in the wind that day that the others weren't paying attention to. But in the middle of the fear and the doubt, there was a shift in the wind and there was a scent of milk and honey that came across their nostrils and they said, hold up, I know what this is. That smells like milk and honey. That smells like promise to me. That's, that, it that smells like something is real that we can contain. I know there's doubt, I know there's fear, but God said, the promise is milk and honey a land that flows with it and we can take it he said what's that Caleb I smell it you smell it I smell it it smells like promise of God 
That's what that smells like. They understood this one thing. Fear will make you die in the wilderness, but faith will usher you into the promise of God. He said, we're not dying on this side of the river. I'm not dying over here. I'm not missing out on this. You can if you want to, but I'm not missing out on this. Uh-uh, no way. No, we can take this. We're, we're not stopping here. We've come too far to stop now. I smell milk and honey. I smell milk and honey. I love it. I'll never forget that monumental moment back in 2018 when I was preaching this. And I said, I need some Joshua's and Caleb's this morning that will stand with the vision. And when I said that, I said it with boldness because I was expecting everyone to flood these altars and nobody moved. And I thought that did not go as I had seen that going. God had one man of faith that stood up and walked down that middle aisle and he began to wave that hanky. I watched him throughout that service, Brother Chapman. He sat there. He was weak. He was tired. I saw him. He's sitting there, hold on, he rests his arm up there. But when that happened, nobody moved. I saw him, I thought, well, what's Elder doing? He was the only one moving. And he, he shuffled out into the aisle and he took that hanky and he began to walk around this church and he began to walk around these out aisles. And what he was saying, he, you know what he was saying? I've been waiting too long for this promise. You know, he was saying, I don't have a whole lot of time left. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a monumental moment right here. I'm not going to be a part of that generation that misses out. He was saying, yes, God has spoken it. And yes, it can happen. It can happen. I wonder this morning. I wonder this morning, Brother Chapman, if you would take your daddy's place and you would say, I believe it can happen. I believe it can happen. I wonder if there's anybody else that will say, I believe. I believe it can happen. I believe. There you go, Brother Ben. I believe it can happen. I believe it can happen. Why? Because God's spoken it. Because God said it. One generation might not have got to see it, but I promise you the next is going to live in it. Revivals that have been promised that generations didn't see, but they prayed and they fasted for it. Generation after generation, they didn't get to see it, but I promise you for generations to come that we're going to live in it. We're going to step into it. We're going to step into that promise because God says it is real. You just got to believe me for it. Come on. You need those Joshua's and Caleb's that will stand with the vision. A vision of faith. A vision of promise for this church. A vision for this city. I can smell milk and honey. I can smell milk and honey. I can smell it. I can smell it. It's right there. It's right there. It's right there. It's right there. Oh, God. 
It's right there. It's just off in the distance. Don't stop going after it. Don't give up on it. Don't stop praying. Don't stop fasting. Don't lose your faith. Get ready, Life Point family. It's about to happen. I can smell the promise. It is time to take it. Come on, I can smell milk and honey. I want to do this. I want everyone in this room, everyone in this room, I want you to come into the front. If we got to push chairs back, we'll push chairs back. But I want everybody in this place to come to the front. Make room if you need to make room. Moses dies off. Doesn't get it. Whole generation dies off. But Joshua, one of the ones that said, oh no. I see it, I smell it. It's real, it's real. Joshua 1, it says, he said, God said, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan into the land that I'm about to give to them. To the Israelites, he said, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised. Every place. Every single place. If I had a second title today, it would be get ready to cross over. Get ready to cross over. Get ready to walk through some waters that we've never walked through before. Get ready to walk through some miracles we've never walked through before. Get ready to witness some stuff we've never seen before. We said, what is this? And God said, this is it. This is that faith I've been telling you about. You've been walking in it, and now you're seeing the miracles that it produces. Get ready to cross over. I preached this message November 25th, 2018 when we started the journey. You know, it was a journey to purchase a piece of property down the road. That first year to buy that was a fight. Spiritual warfare we went through to get there. But God, miracle after miracle after miracle that he brought for almost four years, we as a church have been on this exciting journey. Some of you weren't here at the beginning, but I'm so thankful that you're here now. We started this journey shortly, right before COVID hit, and suddenly our world came to a momentary pause. 
But in the midst of that pause, God proved to be faithful. We learned how to pray as a church. We learned how to fast as a body of believers in that moment. We learned to trust God with our health, our finances, and with his church. We raised $108,000 in six months through Project 3734 to pay off the property in a miraculous way. We raised over $50,000 to help prepare the land through Project 2427. And today, with great excitement, I want to tell you that the journey continues as we prepare to launch a three-year vision campaign to get into a new building and to reach the souls of this city like never before. Come on, you can give God praise for that. We've been waiting for this. We've been waiting for this. We've been trusting, believing. I want you to know that we have hired a church consultant to assist us on this journey. This is something that no one in this room has ever done before. Through great wisdom of my leaders in my life, I listened and submitted and I said, yes, it's what I will do. And we have hired Brother Marvin Mitchell. You have not, some of you have met him. Some of you have not. Some of you have been wondering what are these meetings going on on Wednesday nights? What is taking place? Who is this guy we don't know walking through the building? Brother Marvin Mitchell is a full-time evangelist and church consultant with the United Pentecostal Church International. And he will be with us step by step over the next three years as we move forward into a monumental season for this church. We will officially be launching this campaign on Sunday, September 24th. And for nine weeks, we will have special challenge Sundays. We will be wrapping up these Sundays with our first sacrificial offering on Sunday, November 19th, which is wild to me. That the first time I preached this message, God knew what was going to take place in 2023 on that Sunday. As your pastor, I am asking for a commitment to be at every one of these services. I'm asking you today, in all seriousness, as your pastor, I'm asking you to make a commitment to be at these services. At these services, your questions, and I'm sure there's probably a lot today, your questions will be answered in these services. The vision will be made very clear in these services. Important details will be given in every one of these services. Please do not miss a service. I, as your pastor, need you here. Why? Because we are doing this together. We are doing this together. This is not me. This is not the, the pastoral team just doing this. This is collectively a church body. We have to be in unity to do this. As Moses said, God, we want to move forward, but we're not moving forward without you. God is with us. God is here. So why now, you might ask, why now? This building has served a great purpose 
but will not hold what God has for the future of this church. We are at capacity in most of our classrooms downstairs. The point is maxed out on Wednesdays, and they are still growing. They are about to get new students from the Sunday school coming to their class, and they're not going to have room for them. And I believe there's even greater revivals just ahead for them while we're still here. We're in need of more office space for the church, uh, adequate fellowship space. If you, you, have you been downstairs, we know very, we don't have a whole lot of space. Uh, we are at 80% capacity in our sanctuary right now. And the most important reason why we are doing this is to hold the harvest of souls. It is not about a new building, but it is about the lost and dying world out there that doesn't know a savior and we've got the message to take to them and I say God we prepare a place bring the harvest to us Lord I pray and believe God's going to do it and I truly believe if we just ignore it if we say we're comfortable here then what we are doing if we do not make room for the harvest then we are hindering the growth of the church if we don't move forward into what God has for this church As I said before, four years ago, I preached about possessing the land and smelling the promise in the distance. I have prayed and heard from the Lord, and now is the time to move forward. So I stand here today just as Joshua and Caleb stood at that Jordan River, and as Joshua said, looking at the promise just on the other side, and he said to the people, Joshua turned around and said, gather your possessions and prepare to cross into the promise of God. And today I stand here and I echo Joshua today to this church, to God's people, get ready to cross over into a place that we have never been before as a church get ready to cross over to the promise of God for this church for now is the time now is the time now is the time for the promise I present to you the theme for this campaign is simply promise accepting the call and claiming the promise that God has for this church I accept the call to claim the promise to see the harvest God's going to do it come on magnify him this morning thank God for it he's going to do it come on let's worship together let's get excited together God we thank you for it God we accept the call we accept the call God we accept the call God to claim the promise God that you've given this church years ago God now is the time now is the time now is the time come on lift your voice lift your hands lift your voice come on come on place your hand in the person next to you come on place your hand in their shoulder begin to pray for them right now come on come together in unity right now God we accept the call we accept the call. God, we accept the call to claim the promise that's been there for this church for years. God, we accept the call, God. God, and we will, Lord, see your hand upon it. God, we will see miracles, signs, and wonders. God, we will, Lord, see it take place. Why? Because it's not us, God, but it's you. It's your promise, God, that you want to see come to fruition, Lord. It is your promise, God, that we will see, God, the harvest in this city. 
in the souls in this city. God, there will be hundreds, if not thousands of people that will be baptized in your name because of this. God, they'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because of this. That their lives will be put back together and marriages will be put back together and families will be put back together. God, there will be drug addicts, Lord. God, they will become clean, Lord, because of this promise. God, there will be those who are strung out, God. God, there will be those that are alcoholics that will be set free. God, there will be those, Lord, God, that are bound, Lord, God, to sin. God, and perverse sins, Lord, in this world. God, will be set free. God, because a church, God, on this Sunday, God, on a church in this year, said we accept the call to claim the promise today, God. We accept it as a church, God. God, work through us. God, I pray, God. God, remove any fear, any doubt, God. God, I pray it right now, Lord. God, that we will have faith. Let our faith go to a place it's never been. God, that we believe in you, Lord. God, we might not be there yet, God. God, but we could smell it in the distance, Lord. We accept the call, Lord. We accept the call. We accept the call. We accept the call. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Come on, begin to begin to talk to him. just you individually. I accept it, God. I accept the call for myself. God, I'm going to be a part of this, God. God, I'm not going to be left out. God, I'm not going to be one of those ones standing on the fringes. God, saying, I'm not sure if we can do it, God, but I'm going to say, I know we can because it's your promise, God. God, I know it's the promise that's there, Lord, and we're going to step into it, God, and we're believing God right now. God, I believe, Lord. God, I believe, Lord, God, that you are in this, God. I know you you are God and I know you're going to move in a mighty way in miracles we've never seen before we're going to see God we're going to see it God Lift your head, rejoice. Lift your voice and rejoice. Lift your hands and rejoice. Oh, thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for it, Lord. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for coming.